Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, the Interim Whisperer. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, and I am going to be introducing you to our guest for today, Tim Lesnick. He is with Trova. I'm, it's hard to say that you're with Trova. You are Trova. A nationwide recruiting and consulting firm, he is the co-founder and co-owner of Trova and a partner and co-owner of Immersion Security, a cybersecurity advisory and consulting firm. Tim has over 20 years in staffing and consulting industry itself, where he has placed nearly 4,000 professionals on a contract or a full-time basis. I don't know what that you know, breaks down to, but it sure is a lot of people. He believes and exemplifies a tenant mindset, which is called Read My Mind Better. And that translates to great service means mastering the art of anticipation. And I'm going to say that's the author, Tim Lesnick. He doesn't have a book yet, but he will. So our show is all about learning, technology, and the future of industries and jobs. And Tim, I always kick off the show with five words that describe you and why those. Uh, Five words. So Mm -hmm. passionate. Okay. So why passionate? You know, um, you come to me with something and I tend to be engaging. You know, I just, I really believe in the things that I believe in. I am, I have strong opinions about them. And, uh, and people would say I would have been a good litigator. I'm like a master arguer, probably Irish Catholic upbringing and that type of mm-hmm. thing. But, you know, if there's a topic that I have an interest in, I come in full fledged, you know, boisterous communicating and, you know, we'll stand toe to toe with anyone about it. Right. And so mm-hmm. I know it's opinionated, but, uh, and then I literally love what I do and I'm all about personal betterment as I go along. And so I think, um, that drives me, right. If there's something that I'm interested in, I'm kind of relentless about it. You sound like you could have been a really good attorney. I used to say that. Yeah. I was told mm-hmm. that a lot. Mm-hmm. Trial attorneys, you just described them really well. Yeah. And I flock towards those shows like, you know, Lincoln Lawyer or Time to Kill. And, uh, you know, I literally used to listen to LA you know, Law, some of those. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, I watched that back in the day. Yeah. 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 I those flocked are... to those shows. So your second word was faith. Why is that? Well, it's, I grew up in a family of faith, Catholic upbringing. I went to a Catholic college and Jesuit, you know, base school and then not just in that, though, I think of faith as having faith in people, faith in the right thing. So, you know, listen, I believe in a higher power and, you know, the unexplained. And I feel like we're all connected and all in somewhat of a, people call it a simulation or a test or anything you want to relate it to. And I believe that I just, I, this has been used a lot. I, my firm belief on the mystical understanding of the universe is that I'm a spiritual being mm-hmm. having a human experience. And so that's lovely. Yeah. And so I've heard that said recently by other people, and I've been saying it for years. It's not my coined phrase, of course. Actually, Bob Frizzell, a guy I read uh, several of his books, but we're not here to talk about him really. But, you know, in general, I just think this is an experience, right? Mm -hmm. And deep down, there is something that drives me that's core to me that is inherently good and inherently loving. And I don't lose touch with that. And I'm raising my sons in that fashion. And um, to me, the religion things are all very similar and what you label it doesn't really matter to me as much anymore. You know, Catholic, uh, you know, my sons go to what started at the JCC. Like, I don't necessarily care what people's religion are. I think I look for the commonality among religions and that faith in something bigger than myself. And that drives me and keeps me grounded and kind of something I live my life by. Mm. That's really, really nice. Okay, so we're going to jump to a word that is just, some people go, wow, you went from faith to weird. Okay, but aren't we all weird? I'm going to just help balance that statement. Yeah, I, I said this years ago where, you know, I, I love that word weird, mm-hmm. by the way. And I mean, like nerd. I, yeah, I mean, like, well, not so much nerd. Now, I guess today's like cool geek is sort of the thing. It, it had a bad connotation for a long time, nerd and geek, right? Growing mm-hmm. up and generationally, and now it actually has... You know, some uh, there's people that say, you know, geeks are going to rule the world one day. And so if you think about some of the most ex- richest people in the world, most of them are geeks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, what are you saying? Is that really an insult? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's a driver, right? So um, anyway, uh, 
I say good weird. Like, you know, the example I always use is say good weird, not bad weird. Like, I'm not into horror movies and creepiness and that that type of weird, right? I'm in mm -hmm. the good weird is like Knight Rider weird. Like Knight oh, Rider was such a weird show. Technology. Yeah. And um Giver. Looking at things in a different way, like taking in the picture and then saying things that people wouldn't otherwise expect. Like I like to catch people off guard. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have a weird way of looking at things. I've been told that a lot. And so, yeah, weird. It's probably one of my favorite words, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that, too. But I really do think people were all a little bit different. Um, charismatic. I would agree with this word very much. Thank you. Um, I, this one came from my wife. So mm. I was trying to come up with, hey, what's the word to describe me? And she's in and, and, uh my kid's babysitter, Nanny, she said it too. She's like, I think that's probably your number one if I were to say that. Just okay, you have three people giving you that vote. What is that telling you? Yeah, that, that is... It, compliment. It, yeah, totally a compliment. I love it. You know, for me, I was toying with engaging or gregarious and sort of thing. Like, look, I, um, I love people and engaging in others. And I'm all about, like, personal betterment and then and engaging those around me. And I'll get more into where that comes from and stuff. But that's... So where it is, like I naturally just kind of transparently and openly put myself out there to others. What you see is what you get. And I have a genuine curiosity and interest in others. And I think that shows in the form of charisma because I have that sort of engaging personality and, and way of, um, I don't know, mm -hmm. pulling others in. Mm -hmm. The last word, and I'm going to add a statement when you finish the, your last word, communicative. I was a communications major. People call that a BS major a lot of times. I actually am kind of a geek about it in terms of, look, I literally studied at Boston College, and that's where I learned it and actually geeked out on what it means. And nowadays, think about it. Like, that's one thing that's lacking from some people. We communicate in a variety of different ways by how we look, how we act, how we compose ourselves. You know, there's that whole thing from Hitch. Will Smith mm -hmm. gives out, you know, back in that movie where that it was, was like, Hey, movie. only like 10% of communication is the words coming out of your mouth. And I'm kind of a wordsmith and I'm big into what words I choose and trying to get better at that. And so, um, to me, it's also part of what I do. So body language and, uh, what they say by not saying something or what that means. So I love breaking down all that's involved in communication. This is not just the words coming out of your mouth. Nowadays, it's what you're typing, what you're texting, how you're saying it, the tonality you take on. And, you know, everyone always talked about body language, tone, and words. Mm -hmm. But to me, I've worked hard, and it's been a part of how I've been successful and what I leverage most in my business is to sort of break that down and be as unbelievably good as I can at, at that at communication. So Now, this one wasn't a question that I shared with you. But I think everybody thinks they're this amazing communicator. And I disagree. I think most people are not good communicators because they don't remember to give enough of the details. Like what you're, you were just saying that it requires a lot of thought. This is what they'll say. I went to a game and it was a really good night. You know, the team won. Who, who did you go to the game with? Did you go with anybody? Who was the team? Who, what were you watching? Like, there's so much more you could add to that one sentence to make it more rich and, and easily understood by the other person. And I feel like most people, they think they're a five in their communication skills, and they are not. Because just as you said, it's more than just the words. You know, there's there's the written word, there's the listening skills, there's the visual skills, then there's the words that we actually say. So it's more than that. Yeah, my wife would say I need to work on listening. And I also didn't prove that I was very articulate when I said unbelievably good. You know, that'll probably come back later on. I said, I'm unbelievably good at communication. Or did I say that? Or something like that. No. That's not true. That Look, talking about myself is not my favorite thing. But um, look, I'm a talker. I was told I was given the gift of the gab at an early age and mm -hmm. it stuck with me. And this is why I work hard on what I implant in my kid's brain. So it might not have been true. I, you know, I can leave out details and things, but I'm definitely a student of the game and kind No, you're it. really, I think you are a really good communicator. So you, when I know, when I met you the first time in your office, and I want to give Alec a little shout out, Alec Jones, he's mm -hmm. the one that made sure that we got to connect. He's one of your people. Um, 
I was really impressed with your listening skills. I was really impressed with the fact that you were answering my questions and, and making me feel that I was seen and heard. And not many people always do that. Yeah, I think uh, that's taken a lot of practice. Yeah. And um, thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I can't wait for my wife to hear this. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not married to you, so nor... Oh, she would say I've gotten a lot better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about... To me, that's individualized, mm -hmm. right? And then I've had a lot of clients and friends I've met through work that say that mm -hmm. in my personal life because I'm doing that all day. Mm -hmm. When I when I, when the gloves come off, I'm a little bit more all over the place, mm. and I'm trying to work on that. Probably weakness would be that I tend to talk over people and I get so excited. I consider it a communication to be together thing. Mm -hmm. and so I have a hard time the person that probably suffers the most would be my mom oh, because she tells a story like, you know, we're going through a labyrinth. And oh, wow. like, I could have gotten there in three seconds in a straight line. Right. And so it's painful <laughs> to listen to my mom tell a story, but you know, mm -hmm. that's probably more because that's how she's processing the information to be able to get it out. And there's so much in there. And she may not have a lot of people to talk to. So she makes it last a little longer. Yeah. Louis C.K. does a far better job than I do of explaining it. So if you, anyone likes Louis C.K., his story about how his wife tells a story about going to the store and buying a tomato. Mm -hmm. And he tells it from his point of view. And then he has her tell it. And it's phenomenal. It's okay. Exactly it's on YouTube? Talking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go look for it because he's he's no longer alive, right? Oh, Louis C.K. is. He just okay. got cancel cultured for a little while, but he's back. You know, oh. kicked off Netflix and stuff. Okay, yeah, not I as popular to talk about. He shouldn't have been cancel cultured. It's whatever, but hmm. anyway, that's just my opinion. So let's talk about how you got started to where you are now. Where did you go to school? How did you get started to where you are now? So I went to Boston College. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I knew I wanted to go there when I was 12, and I visited with my brother. And uh, it was seriously one of the greatest experiences of my life. The college was was awesome. It was everything I wanted and more than I could possibly imagine. And I've made lifetime friends from that, where we all just pick up where we left off even 25 years later. Like my people, people that understand me well. Um, so that that's where it got kicked off. I actually used their internal recruiting system to get my first job. The first place I worked for is a really cool company. They have an awesome bad backstory. In fact, um, if you ever watch High Score on um, Netflix, okay, the very first episode is about that company. And the the CEO and the COO weren't part of the video, but some of the engineers were in that video, and they were MIT grads that basically re-engineered Atari games, got sued by Atari, won and then sold it back. So if you notice the different iteration of Atari games as they got better between mm -hmm. the different versions and stuff, those guys were instrumental in that. Couldn't get credit for it, though, because Atari wanted it for themselves and paid them off. And so they were like gajillionaires at like 20 years old and started a company, which I worked for when they uh, were friends with Steve Jobs and took out his laser printer business. I'm taking too much time on this. Sorry about that. Atari, but though. How old is Atari? Uh, they don't have that anymore, right? 80s? It's like vintage, right? Yeah, it's like 80. I have one still. I'm a kind of a collector. That's a story for another day, but it's something I never got rid of. So, you know, I was a video gamer and a gamer and I liked uh, that. And it was, that wasn't what attracted me to it. But, you know, what's interesting is I did what one of my tenants is, I'll talk to you about later, which is that I just, when I joined that company, um, they were selling mostly laser printers direct using Dell's model. And uh, I learned a lot. I took my boss, took me under his wing. I had this thing that I do where I kind of like people to collect me. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, is I put them in a box of some sort where I want them to be my mentor and I don't necessarily tell them. I just emulate what they do. So I kind of look for things that I'm attracted to in terms of how that behavior works, if they're successful mm -hmm. or if they're doing well. And so those things will keep my curiosity. So I followed the most two most successful people in the company and Closed the ranks and was number two in the company within six months. But wow, um, that's and a nosebleed growth. Well, I, I always know I want to be in sales. My dad was in sales for a while. I liked talking to people. I learned and studied sales. So what's funny is you know to just pull this together. I loved that company and it was a great place for me to start and learn and nurturing. And uh, I actually ironically got headhunted by a headhunter to be a headhunter. So. Um, I put my resume out when I had 
about $200,000 backlog of product and the company stopped paying us until product was delivered. So I'd oversold the delivery mechanics of what the company could fulfill based on the size of the company supply and demand issues at the time. And so at, living in Boston and, you know, having two accountants that were big four CPAs as my best friends and my roommates are like, dude, you're wasting your skill. Like you can't, you, this is something like a, someone that's way further along on their career deals with, you don't deal with this early. And so that was, that was a very good point. I got called by a headhunter and then joined this industry 22 years ago. Now was when that happened that I haven't looked back. Mm. And so I got started in that, like I told you before that, you know, three days into being a headhunter, maybe it was a week, maybe it was 12 days, but it was pretty early on. I had a collegehood, I mean, a, a childhood friend of mine look me up and say, Hey, Tim, I'm in Boston. I heard you're in recruiting and, you know, I need a new job. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, man, I just want to be in Boston. I'm following a girl. I'm, I'm moving to the city and I need a job to put on my application. Can I put your name in your company? And I'm like, well, I actually have a job for you. It's on our board. And I put him in at three days, $10 an hour. He wasn't going to tell the, you know, the application people was three days, but uh, filing for, you know, pretty good client of ours. And uh, a couple hours into his first day, so I placed him the very next day in a job, made a placement. They said, apparently, very few people make a placement in their first month. And I did it like, I think it was three days into the job, quite frankly. Um, and uh, a couple hours into it, the, his manager calls me and says, um, Brian said to give you a call that you're the guy that got him in here. And I'm pissed. And I'm like, why? She said, you sent an MBA with a three-piece suit to sit on my dirty filing floor and figure out this filing mess that my company's created. I'm like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. And I was, my jaw dropped. I was, I'm was, you know, terrified, you know? And she starts laughing and Brian's also on the phone there and said, I'm just kidding. You are my hero because I've been looking for an AP manager. I need to fire my AP manager. And I'm going to make Brian my AP manager starting tomorrow. So I know you're, he said, you just started there. So you probably don't know what to do from here. So can you get your boss on the phone so we can uh, negotiate his salary and get him started here as a full-time employee right away? So that all worked out great. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was hooked from that moment. Mm -hmm. and, you know, fast forward 20 years, um, learning the business in three different environments, realized my lifetime dream. I always wanted to be in business for myself. Mm -hmm. And through all the years and all the different people I've come across, my business partner and I connected in our last firm and been working together for over 15, 13, 14 years, 15 years. I don't know. It's hard to keep track. So what, 06? That's... 17 years. Wow. wow. He always makes fun of me. I say 10 years in the office. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we've been together longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, we started Trova in 2020 and um, our network took care of us right out of the gate and gate. And, you know, so now I help people get jobs. And most importantly, I think I help small to medium sized companies hire talent. Like at the end of the day, we're going to talk about a lot of different technology and other things today, but I'm all about people. And to me, people are even more important than process. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to fix process and automate process and grab all these. And listen, 60 to 70% of what I've placed in my 20 years have been IT people and people doing the things that we're talking about, are going to be talking about more today. But at the end of the day, I think you can't get away from the people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like, you know, each person has their own light and their own magic to bring to the table. And I help both of those parties get out of each other's way. Very much like the analogy I use a lot is dating. Mm -hmm. You can realize that when you're dating, a, the, in, the each person sends their representative and there's a disconnect. And so there has always been trying these things with matchmakers through the years. And why that doesn't always work in the dating side is because love's funny right? There's a lot of different things involved in that. However, you know, I feel like that, that the calling for me is really in that job side of it. I love it. When I can look at a company and break down what it is and then interview people and break down what they're all about and understand what their motivations are and some of the things we talked about about me today, um, then I make those matches. You know, the lines I use, I'll end with this in this part because I know timing is uh, important. It's just that I just say, you're the worst person to hire for yourself, mm -hmm. myself included. And what I mean by that is I never hired great for me or my team. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is you're looking, you put out an ad, you put out what you're looking for from people. 
And they, I teach them this. I say, be what they want you to be to get the job. All mm -hmm. headhunters teach people that. I like an authenticity thing, so I don't do that anymore, but I used to for a long time and I was trained to do that. But every person does that, right? Um, because if a company is hiring for an accountant, they want to see that you have an accounting degree and have been an accountant before. They're not right. going to hire a fisherman, you know, or someone that's got a nursing resume to come be their accountant, right? The difference, though, is when I'm interviewing people, I'm interviewing for who they are and what they want to be and where they want to go. And so we can really change the model between what's subjective which is a standard hiring process, right. what I consider objective. So anyway, I'm not trying to get into all about what I do, but um, the reality of it is I love it. Uh, I couldn't see myself doing anything else and feel really blessed to have found the path that I found to be where I am today. So I have a couple questions for you. What does Trova mean and how did you come about that name? Yeah, so um, Trova means find in Italian. Oh. Yeah, and so something catchy, something unique. And quite frankly, I don't get credit for it. Um, you know, I have my business partner, he and I own Trova, but we have two other advisors involved in it. And uh, a couple of them uh, came up with the, the word and it stuck and we really liked it. And, and so this, this idea around, you know, seek and we shall find is kind mm -hmm. of a thing we were toying with at a time or, you know, the idea around the, lighthouse if you will is sort of like this guiding beacon for you know people and so just that idea the way a, a lighthouse beacon might guide people to where they need to go if you're looking to find something where are the folks to help you do it so the play on search and recruiting right mm -hmm. so i get the lighthouse because that is definitely you know that's your logo and i know our listeners may not know that um where did you, the business partner come into play then uh, you know, what's interesting is, so he's an, another person that I talk about how I oh, like. What's his name? His name is Bo. Okay. Yeah. Bo and I just found each other. We worked together in different roles, actually in similar roles in the same company. And, you know, over the 20 years, I've worked alongside thousands of recruiters, mm -hmm. right? And it's really funny, you know, I, I don't know, because I told you I'm a man of faith. I think the, the, the Lord was put us in in touch with each other and it's kind of crazy uh, i wouldn't think of anyone so i'm not being articulate here but I'm, what i'm trying to say is um we just connected through work and he collected me and said he wanted me to work on his team and was the right mentor and the right leader and the right person at the right time and has been many because he's got six seven years on me and uh, we're a good team because our strengths and weaknesses are almost perfectly balanced. Mm -hmm. The things that he is strong in, I am weak in. Mm -hmm. And the things that I'm strong in, he has no interest in. I don't know that he's really weak in them, but it's just they're painful for him. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you have this balance of personalities, like literally polar opposites in almost every way. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but together it's, there's harmony. You know, mm. so that, yeah, it's funny. He's like, man, I'm your best mentor ever. I'm like, you know, I haven't never even said that word around him for years yeah. and I wouldn't, but I totally let him collect me. And uh, what I mean by that is he was successful mm -hmm. and he worked harder than anyone I knew. And, um, and he would show me things in a way that I thought I knew better and would let me, you know, sort of do my thing and mm -hmm. see how he was right all along. What's interesting is my wife is like that too. Um, so I've kind of partnered myself or God has put in my life, I think two people that balance out where I'm strong, I'm really strong, but where I'm weak, I'm equally as weak. And mm -hmm. uh, try to barter those weaknesses in my personal and professional life with two very cool people that are, um, you know, both of them are yings to my yang in their own way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is lovely. Yeah, that's really nice. It's good that you have that um, intuition to be able to identify that into people. Not everybody always does. I, I did not see that uh, coming when I was choosing um, a husband. And I wish if I could go back, I said, here I go, would I change it? Uh, yes and no. I would change some things about it. But, you know, we don't always make the right decision. It sounds like you've made good judgment calls for your life. Yeah, well, it took more than one uh, 
one shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you will. Yeah, and the, most of this stuff is like that hindsight is 2020 <laughs> stuff, right? Like looking back now, that's what I consider wisdom, right? Like mm -hmm. as you get older, I think that's where wisdom comes into play. I mean, literally the older I get, the more I know, the more how little I know, we how know. little I know, how right? How little we know. And, but that wisdom, you look back and say, hey, what was going on here? And if, because I operate in faith and you think about the footprints in the sand or other analogies you see out there where I know God was carrying me at time, or I just see guiding light in my life all along the way. But I knew where I wanted to go. I wanted to be right where I am today prayed for it and thought about it for a long time. And so actually walking in that is, you know, it's inspiring, audacious, scary, and uh, fulfilling all at the same time, you know? You know, those are really good verbs that describe it because I've had those conversations before with um, some of my own family, and they don't know how to articulate what they're feeling about it. They would rather have the most difficult conversations that most people would not have, whether it's about sex or something else, like pick a topic. And to talk about faith is very, very hard for many people. It's very personal. It's very intimate. And it shows um, either their frailty that they're afraid of, of being able to be seen as something or, or a person that is frail, but yet we are you know, we, in a moment we can be snuffed out. So, you know, it's always good to remember where we came from and who's been a part of our life and to be grateful for all of those things. And I think you're just totally hitting all of that out of the park with, you know, how you're describing uh, what those lessons are that you've learned in life so far. Thank you. I yeah. mean, I think it takes a long time, but I would say there is people don't even know why they believe what they believe. Yeah. And we all have limiting beliefs instilled in us based on where we were live and who we were born to and who was around us. Mm -hmm. And we're not always aware. And in fact, we're pretty pure and innocent and filled with love and joy and glory. And the world actually beats that out of you. I mm -hmm. see that with my six and four year old as they're growing, right? Being a father, I see that in front of me. And so a lot of that stuff comes full circle for me. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the things that we see going on are people too too caught up in the details. They're too caught up in noise. They're too caught up in the nonsense. When when you look outwardly for solutions and pick apart and judge others, that's not how you get to solutions. You got to look in, mm -hmm. and then you got to do the work. And uh, that's just two things I think are very important. Like, how could I be better? What can I do to make this better? Not be governed by things we're regurgitating because we heard it, we saw it on social media, we think it's true. Do you really believe that to be true? I think very few things actually are true. And most of the other stuff is just made up in an all-encompassing situation that's a distraction. Like, what are we supposed to be doing here, right? This leads really nicely into your favorite thought leaders, because I'm expecting you to say Jesus, honestly, or God. But I think that you, you're going to have a surprise for me. I'm not sure, but Who's your favorite thought leader? Because you have been influenced by quite a few people. Yeah, I have a lot. I use a lot. I have to actually, this one I pain was painful for me because it was who to choose. I had I have to pick Tony Robbins for me just because you reading his books and listening to him speak for so long, he's been so consistent. And he has two of the greatest quotes that I literally think are mantras that I live by. And mine are, you know, I'll quote them simply because I know them. If you want better results ask better questions. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I have a problem with the way people ask questions because mm -hmm. uh, I'm in the recruiting business. Most people don't know how to interview. They don't know what they're trying to get out of their answer. They think they know what they want. So, and sometimes questions are very black and white and they're looking for yes or no answers when most questions actually are in answers to questions are gray and they require you to get people thinking and you want to actually understand how they think. And if you can understand that art, you can get really good at interviewing. It's not just, do they know the answers to these questions? Most clients want someone they can see that's going to be a good leader, a good team player that can think outside of the box, that can handle stressful situations, that can build the company. How do you figure that out? Well, you got to mm -hmm. understand how they think and what makes them tick. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that with, you know, very linear questions. So the other one is the quality of your life is dependent upon the quality of your relationships. And this one's pretty important to me. I just had a great talk with a friend of mine, a new friend actually, who told me, I asked him how a party was. And he's like, you know, it was really superficial. Everyone was doing this chit chatty, 
bows like this too, where they don't really have time for chit chat, non-real conversations. The older I get, the more I don't like that either. I want to be real. I want to get deep with people. I want to talk about things that are important and get their opinions on it. And so, um, that's why I picked Tony Robbins because, I mean, a lot of people say his stuff is stolen or borrowed or whatever, but that guy has not stopped. I don't know how old he is. He's he looks he's great. impacted my thoughts on money, on health, on – and look, he's an exceptional communicator. And he's also about another thing that I believe in, which is that you have to take massive action. Nothing is really going to happen unless you do the work. So – you know, he has a lot of things that he says that I think are important. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, he got there because he does know how to motivate people and inspire them and just, you know, deliver results. So, yeah, he's very, very good. Okay, so we're going to do something fun here. So I found this article, well, first off, on Grey's Anatomy, they were talking about power posing. And so in an article published in 2023 at Martin Luther University Hill, Wittenberg, you know, all of these great names of schools follow here. They published a, a, an article that said that there was close to 130 experiments that explored power posing with totaling 10,000 people. That's a lot of people. The objective was to find out whether consciously that people are deciding that by um, taking a certain posture, they can influence a person's confidence, behavior, and hormone levels. Now, I have a couple of people that um, have worked with me that were interns and they would come into the room and they would assume this Wonder Woman pose, fists on their hips, legs slightly spread apart. And they're, you know, it feels unnatural. It feels a little weird to do. And, but you're okay with weird. So you're going to be okay doing this. So we're going to stand up and do this. And then we're going to talk about how did it make you feel? So we're going to stand up, hands on hips, legs apart. And power pose, but you have another one that's pretty fun. Hmm. There we go. I'm doing it with you. <laughs> so let's talk about those. How did it make you feel? Uh, a little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I also, uh, you know, in my suit, I couldn't really quite get my pose the way I wanted to. Yeah. What's the second pose? Let's have a little history on that one. Well, look, I was a huge Hulk Hogan fan, mm -hmm. like Hulkamania, WrestleMania, the whole thing. I was hooked from WrestleMania one through. So, and in fact, uh, my two boys and I, we, we actually, uh, reenact and play wrestling at home. So, um, my two little boys are six and four, and they're the skinny minis, the tag mm -hmm. team duo from Orlando. Mm -hmm. And I picked one of the schlebs that Hogan and a bunch of the other old school um, top wrestlers would beat up on Saturdays because they would never let you see the good matches unless you paid. Right. Um, and so I'm Omar Atlas at home. If yeah. Whenever looks up Omar Atlas, he was uh, uh, the wrestler that always got beat up by the top wrestlers in town. So anyway. But that that Hogan pose comes from that. Like I'm always posing when I come in, and we they can't get enough of us wrestling and running around. I learned that um, kids, it, girls and boys doesn't matter, get oxytocin and they connect with their father through play, and that's how fathers connect with their their kids. And you know, women connect through you know the sort of the cuddling and the nurturing, nurturing. Things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so. Um, I want to play anyway. I want to have fun. That's how I am, you know? And so, and then it's kind of weird. It's like a funny thing where, where, you know, I make an announcement out of it and everything like that. So, you know, I teach them their poses and stuff. So there are different types of Hogan flexes that I'm always using and doing, but that's I in my that's private great. light. I don't, I don't superhero pose at work. Yeah. Sure. And he's not really a superhero, but I don't usually go to the fictional side. Batman's probably my favorite. You know, um, Batman does do a, a pose, though. He does put his, his fists on his hips, too. And yeah. Assumes it, but the mask makes makes it a little bit more private. So, he, you know, he's not feeling like, oh, I'm totally exposed here. Yeah, and my favorite thing about him is just, you know, he operates in the dark, behind the scenes. He's yeah. not out in your face. And he's a vigilante getting rid of riffraff that are otherwise doing bad things. And that's why he's my favorite. Uh, oh, superhero. I love it. So that's... What was interesting from the study is that if you spend five minutes doing it and you really, really concentrate on what it is that you're doing, you're going to be feeling like a lot more confidence. And it really was boosting. So I tried this for a week, for a week, five minutes, you know, and I was going, I do feel like I can do anything. 
So I found it a cool thing to do, and I went, oh, I'm going to bring it on the show, see what people have to say. I like it, and I agree. I have to just comment on one thing. I would say, yes, I'm kind of smiling. Mm -hmm. I feel less awkward, maybe a little bit more able to be transparent. But in 2024, I started cold plunging in my Whoa. pool as soon as I get up in the morning for three to five minutes. And that is... That wakes you up. It's killer. Yeah. I've done it eight out of the last nine days. What is this, the ninth? And... Mm -hmm. uh, I swear it's uh, a game changer. Oh yeah! So it, it's it's doing the things you're saying the pose does. Mm -hmm. So it absolutely. If the pose does. runs out, that's wears out its welcome. Go into fifty eight degree pool or cold water for five minutes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I was a swimmer in high school, so I do know that, and we had to do it every day, and we were here in Florida. So yes, and it was not a heated pool. So nice. Yeah like what you were saying. So uh, this is our last question. Then we're going to take a break and acknowledge our sponsor. But what do you want to be remembered for in your life? Yeah, I think the biggest would be, you know, the word I would use would be impact. Um, I want people to think anyone that knew me would be that I made their life better in some way. Maybe I gave them a tip or the time I spent with them. I'm a fun, fun loving guy and try to spend and improve everything around me, starting with myself. It's like a constant drive. And so anyone that I've come across or interacted with, I'd say, you know, that Tim guy, I, I like him. He, he, he had this funny thing he said, or he had this thing to do that it puts a smile on their face or makes them feel in some way better or more connected. Um, I hope there aren't people that think of it in a bad way. I don't, mm -hmm. I can't think of an enemy I've made in this world. Um, so mm. um, maybe a couple of people I dislike, but that's very, very rare. Right. Right. And so um, that would be it. Like, you know, how, do, what, you know, something happened to me tomorrow. People say, you know what, that was a good guy that cared a lot about others and really wanted to do the right thing no matter what and really improve and lift up those around him. Um, and so I hope that stays with me. That, mm -hmm. That's what drives me too, right? So I would say yes. So we're going to take a moment and acknowledge Cat5 Studios and we'll be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. So now we're back to the second half of our show where we talk about future of jobs and industries in 2030. And it's so hard to believe, but like we're down to like 15 minutes. So we're going to have to, I know time flies always doing this. I cannot begin to tell you how much. Um, what do you think 2030 will look like in the world, your industry or with jobs? You can pick any of those, just one. Yeah, look, I don't see it changing all that much. I mm -hmm. think we have a lot of tools. Look, I'm in an industry that still continues to do 100 billion plus every single year, even in down economies yeah. where people are needing to, um, they need help, right? There, There is such a thing as too much technology, too many tools equal noise. At the end of the day, one person needs to hire another. Granted, if you want to put that on video, and you can have an AI person do the first few interviews and such, but you cannot get away from connection. Mm -hmm. Connection drives all, in my opinion. And so we might kill the processes. Processes have gotten better. Look, 22 years ago, I was cutting classified ads at a newspaper and I had a drawer full of resumes. Now sure. they just happen to be digital, right? And I can query a database. Is that more efficient? Sure. But is the process of hiring somebody any different? No. And really is the process of hiring superstars, which is the key. Anybody can hire anyone to do a job. But how do you hire someone that truly creates impact? That's what I feel like Trova does. And me and my business partner, Bo, do extremely well, which is to understand a business where they're at. And I've seen it over 22 years where I can name people that have been at a company 18 years, 13 years, 15 years, or people call me up, I get Christmas cards. What is it? Hey, you truly changed my life. And sometimes these aren't even people I placed for a fee and charged a customer. I just gave them a piece of advice and a piece of myself to help them get where they needed to go because I've learned the art of this, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, AI is going to help. They're going to filter resumes. We filter resumes now, whether with with or without AI. I need to know if a client needs a certain technology, if they need a Salesforce guru. Well, you better know Salesforce inside and out. The, anyone that's applied to that job that doesn't have Salesforce on their resume is immediately a no. 
The funny part about it is internal recruiting is usually looking for reasons to say no. They're in a process of elimination because they're trying to get a small pile. I, in my business, in my business partner, we're in a process of inclusion. We're bringing everybody in, talking to who the best of the best are. And I may met the person that's perfect for your job four years ago. They may have already worked for me three times. And you may not know about them because they take my call, not yours. They're not applying to your ad. They're going and being the Salesforce guru of the decade building systems for people and you don't have access to them. Well, you do if you know me and that might be pompous way of saying it, but um, sure, AI and process will make this better and maybe can get people there more efficiently. But at the end of the day, if they don't have connection and they don't have a true expert that can help them look outside of their own process, like some of us need gateways into ourselves. We mm -hmm. need other people in our life to help us see who we are and mm -hmm. what we're actually doing. So to, you can't go it alone. Mm -hmm. And so to me, outside of this, I, that's why I love what I do, right? I could talk about it all day long. So, I mean, I know the question's really about AI, but I see it still being a contact sport. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, otherwise I'll be out of business in seven years and maybe I'll be podcasting or uh, <laughs> digging ditches, but I don't know. Oh, well, <laughs> um, I'm not sure about that, but I agree with you that you have to have, we as a world and as jobs, we need to make sure that we have things balanced. And keeping the humans um, human centric in the workplace is going to be very valuable. Um, and knowing that the automations they're there, it maybe takes tedious tasks off, so we don't have to be trying to figure out. Oh, I hate doing this. You know, I don't want to have to put the decimal point in every single one of these. Uh, I know that Mac and I were talking about something. Uh, earlier on the podcast and going, oh yeah, I want the decimal point in this. And it was overlooked. And now somebody has to go back and go put the decimal point in every single one of those particular episode numbers. So that's tedious, but there's always going to be somebody that loves that, that likes that because they don't want to talk to people like you and I do. Right. And so, that actually is a skill though. You can't ever, the ability to communicate and have empathy and you know, if there's jobs that require that, that's where you want to focus going into 2030. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you can sell something to somebody and not the old school way, the new school way, which mm -hmm. is being a good listener, a good communicate, helping people get where they want to go, giving before receiving, knowing that if you give all of yourself and deliver tremendous value, it'll come back to you tenfold, right? Mm -hmm. Living with those kind of principles should guide you. If it's a process-oriented job, you might need to start considering mm -hmm. a career change because processes are being taken away as much as possible and automated as much as possible. Yep. Right? So I would agree. Yep. So positive or negative, which would you like to talk about? Robots, AI, augmented reality, virtual reality, generative AI, anything, how are these all impacting work? What are your thoughts? Listen, as a gamer, artificial intelligence has been a long time, been around a long time. As a kid growing up on Nintendo, mostly, <clears throat> sorry, I was uh, very frustrated with the AI of Nintendo. Mm -hmm. It was cheap and it was hard, mm. right? Especially if you put on hard difficulties. And that's one that was trying to, I mean, I won a video game contest, okay? I was an uber geek. I would keep a list of every single game I ever beat. Which How is, much did you win? Did you win money, prizes? Uh, I actually win? won a, um, this is a funny story. I won a Dreamcast in a bunch of games. Wow. I run this in college. And so, uh, and I obliterated everybody I played. It was kind of a lottery system. It wasn't like the best of the best who went in there, but I played NBA 2K when it came out for Dreamcast, when Dreamcast was lit up. And uh, in the finals, I won like 22 to four. I was wow. shooting half court shots at the end in the game. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It was like, we, we, we'd play a quarter. I don't think I gave up very many points. It just, and the game didn't, wasn't even out yet, right? It was like, first ones playing it and stuff so uh, so did you find playing the um playing the games addictive was it was it taking away from you going to school because that's part of the pro no, right? you know I, I played and lettered in sports i was in track i was in soccer i played football recreationally my parents didn't want me to get my head bashed in played basketball was successful in that got a's did great in school so no i and i had a lot of friends so i actually learned to balance that and that was actually i even use it today my wife and my kids go to bed. I'll take an hour or two and pull out. A, I have all my old game systems, probably. Anyway, including Atari. Should, uh, including an Atari, yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, like 15 systems and I don't know, thousands of games. And wow. some that are pretty valuable. But um, 
I like it because it relaxes me. Mm -hmm. I give so much of myself. I'm a hundred percent extrovert, right? Mm -hmm. When I take those personality tests. So I get all my energy from others, but eventually that runs out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my decompression, there's some binge watching. There's some shows that I like. There have been times where it's been reading or listening to podcasts or other things, but I'm kind of a go, go, go guy mm -hmm. for most waking hours. And then my decompression time, that allows me to escape. It gets me to turn off this, my bone, my brain's on a motor, right? It's constantly going, looking at things around me and such. There's probably ailments in there. There's definitely <laughs> weirdness in there, right? And so anyway, I, I like it. If I'm my way, it's my way to calm down and, mm -hmm. uh, and decompress. So what about other people that may not be as self-disciplined as yourself? Do you feel that some of these things could be you know, taking away time from their family, taking away time from things that could maybe be more productive for them? Truly, yeah. I mean, it's intention, right? Everything in moderation, right? Mm -hmm. There were times where I probably played too many games, right? Mm -hmm. There are anything with technology can be abused. There are things that are out there that could be great for people, but you can abuse it. If you drink too much water, you'll die. Yep, that's But you true. need it to live, right? Mm -hmm. So that analogy, you know, is pretty precipitous through a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when in the wrong hands, it can be used for evil. I mean, I don't think we ever should have created nuclear weapons. I don't see a situation unless that keeps no. everyone from ever going to war, but that didn't happen, right? It doesn't right. happen. So not that we're going to get political or into that stuff, but my point is um, that's the point. It's in the wrong hands and what is the intent, right? Mm -hmm. And so if your intent is this is how I relax and I find it calming and I find it to be more present around people and around others than that skill, that thing, which could be bad or could be a habit. But if it keeps 15, 16, 17 year old boys and girls stuck in their house, stuck on their phone. Um, I think phones are worse than video games, quite frankly, because yeah. they're with you all the time. People are looking down when they're in social events and they're not using it. So if they cut off that private time and just did it then, and then when they were out, still could connect with people, that that would be huge. So, yeah, I do think, look, uh, we talked about this earlier. I think um, this whole AI, the pursuit of technology, I, I say to what end? The hard part about the world now, given how many people there are and the way technology is advanced, is it has momentum and it kind of takes on a life of its own. You mm -hmm. can't even stop it once you start things. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I ask everyone, they should be asking, to what end? Mm -hmm. To what purpose? Is this stuff really making my life and our life better? Yeah, the yeah. value, like what you were saying earlier, what value is it bringing to yeah, the more time I spend in technology and gizmos and gadgets, and I like them as much as anybody and place technology people for a living mm -hmm. most of the time. It's half of what I do. You know, I place other disciplines, but technology tends to be huge. The more me and my wife talk about it, I'd rather move off the grid and be on a farm mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, live off the land and do how our ancestors did because we are missing some things in today's world, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so, I am worried about that pursuit, but I do think there's enough of a the right culture of polls, not a counterculture that's trying to say what people should and should not say and how they should feel. That's all a little ridiculous to me. But it's like moving to traditional values and traditional roots, being one with, you know, the source, whatever your source is, God, the planet, mm -hmm. you know, you can't look around at the world and animals and other living things and say, God, things are so much better now than they were mm -hmm. 300 years ago. Mm -hmm. Some things are, but we're also moving away from what I think we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, this leads into what we, you know, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. There's a creator of AI. He's called the godfather of AI. His name is Jeffrey Hinton, and he was interviewed on 60 Minutes back on October 8th. Um, he's called that because he he really loved what he was inventing. But now when he goes back and he looks at it, he's really, he's afraid of what can happen. He said, one of the ways in which these systems might escape control is by writing their own computer code to modify themselves. And that's something we need to seriously wonder about. So I know that you had mentioned that you went to a couple of events and that you were listening to them. So I'm curious as to what did you learn when you went to these events? Um, it, one of them was at Rollins College, I remember. 
Yeah, predating that, you know, Google and their Translate app found alien language between computers and how they were deciphering, you know, language and doing translation. And then I was at a really cool artificial intelligence five-part series. I think I went to two of them. And um, they were saying that, look, the, the AI is built in silicone. Machines are built in silicone. We're all carbon-based. And people are underestimating the magnitude of that because it's so much more efficient, like 36 times more efficient, I don't know, on some physical plane level where that number came from, but it's stuck in my head. Uh, and we don't know where that ends looks like. And they did a demonstration of just a couple of chat bots, different server, different computers, and named them. And those AIs, he told them to communicate. They started having a whole full-blown conversation right in front of us, right then and there. And he said, hey, if we start giving this more commands and stuff, we'll look later and see that there would be alien language that's been found between systems that we allow to just openly communicate with each other that we cannot decipher. And so that's scary. Yeah. I mean, it's look, we all I grew up with the Terminator movies mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Skynet. I'm like, it's it's real. Mm -hmm. That potential, I think, is real. Elon Musk said it recently, you know, and some of the generative AI guys said, hey, look, they literally have a genuine fear about what the where this goes. Right. Because right. like I said before, I think technology has a momentum on itself where it continues on. It's this pursuit, this capitalistic pursuit. Like, look, technology keeps getting better because someone's coming out with the new things. Look at what happened to like BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. You know, look at Motorola. You look along the ways where people stayed by the way. I mean, there's hundreds of examples of companies. Even the company Escalator, for example, is a funny one. Most people think that Escalator is a thing. That's one that fell into the Xerox uh, problem. Xerox fought very hard. It's actually photocopying. Mm -hmm. But people were calling it a Xerox because they were the leader in it. Escalator is the leading seller of S of of moving staircases, mm -hmm. and they got put out of business because their company name became the name of the, the pro product. And so you have to avoid that. And sometimes you got so good at what they did that you know, it's like Jello, right? The only yeah. of it, but that you know, anyway, Jello still making money probably. Jello is, but every product is always called Jello. You know, I mean. They refer to it when you go in the store. Oh, get Jello, and it's not. Oh, let's get this gelatin product. Totally, is Jello or Kleenex? It happened with Kleenex. People too. do that too. Yeah, yeah. It's they, facial they, tissue. Yeah. Luckily, we got. They didn't take it over. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a couple of others where it happened, but Escalator is the one that's stuck in my mind. That is that, interesting. I did not learn that in my business school classes. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. All right. So what um, do you think, what is the best mentoring advice that you would want to pass on to our listeners? Uh, I don't think you need to formalize it. I think uh, too many people are like, maybe what does it take? And they overthink it. I have collected, I say collected, mentors for myself over the years, whenever I didn't get the answer I wanted from my parents, I would then move to my next door neighbor. He was my mentor, my best friend's father for a while. And then the mm -hmm. other neighbor across the street was then a mentor another way. And then at times my brothers, older brothers were mentors. And so it's being open to the advice of others and learning to listen and understand where they're experienced. To me, a mentor has to be either completely different upbringing or older than you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and quite frankly, you know, it's like one of Tony Robbins, you know, things, which is, you know, how do you become successful? Find someone that has success and copy exactly what they do. That's, that's it. So, you know, if you see someone where you want to be, seek that out. You don't formally ask it. You just find a way to befriend and copy what that person's doing. You know, mm -hmm. and I don't suggest just following them on social media, find a way to truly connect with them. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, one of the things that I've been studying is peer and reverse mentoring. And I know in the typical definition of mentoring, it's always somebody older In reverse mentoring. It's the opposite. So in, in that respect, I have greatly benefited from everybody that's uh, a different degree than myself. Or, and when I say that in major, I went to school, I was an English major. 
And I really, all of my electives were art. I love art. I love science. But I'm not very good at art. But I took every single elective I could. I graduated. My four-year degree was Rollins College, first two years, University of Florida. Go Gators. So anyway, I took illustration. I took jewelry making. I took um, drawing, I t- which is different from illustration. I took um, sculpture. I took everything that I could possibly take. And what I learned is I'm not very good at it, but I love it. I really love it. And so by working with um, students, you know, which is my business is, you know, I work with a lot of students and they have built everything. I've learned so much from them where they have mentored me, but I've mentored them in different areas that they don't have, which is life skills and just what is coming, you know, for their lives, if you will, and how they can better understand who they are. Whereas they can teach me things that they've gone to school and it's in technology. And go, I don't know how to program. I don't know how to do video production. I can do some of it, but do I want to? No. But I listen to everything that they say so I can, I can be a better mentor to those that come after them and we can brainstorm together. I feel like there's this place where with technology today, it's so fast. We're all interns. And so we're always having to benefit from having mentors in our life. And I think I look at mentoring a little bit different too. I have learned so much about just loving people from animals more than anything and a three and a four-year-old. And I think that they're some of the most um, precious teachers I could ever have. And so I'll give you that as another way of defining what mentoring can be. Oh, I, I would like to amend my answer to yours. It's great. Yeah, I, I was thinking in the traditional method because I absolutely, yeah, regular you know, as mentoring. a father, I yeah. learn from my kids, oh, learn yeah. from myself and where I'm at and seeing it there. And it's it's true. You know, it's just, uh, I think there's something, um, it depends on how they look at the world, but you're right. Mm-hmm. There could be, there's an innocence about it. It doesn't have to be somebody older. You're right. Yeah. And Nobody come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Yeah, when I Your go dog to, might teach you a lesson. Like they do. Said. Yeah, they do. That's right. Yeah, even the cats who don't listen very well. Yeah, a cat will eat your face if you <laughs> pass away in your home within thirty minutes. So maybe I don't know. I hope that's not. what they do. <laughs> Literally, if you were to die in your home, it's been determined that a cat will oh, eat no. you, and they will eat your entire like they, they, the EMTs won't have time to get there within thirty minutes of your death. If you have a cat, it'll eat your face. Oh. Probably they go for all you cat mouth. lovers out there. I'm yeah. allergic to cats. I love them, but I'm allergic, so mm-hmm. I don't like them. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how can zero people sense. contact you? Let's let's go and change that. How can people contact you? If you've made it this far, yes. and you may have, you may not have. Um I I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. There's mm-hmm. only one Tim Lesnick out there. You want to spell it? L-E-S-N-I-C-K. Got it. I don't think there's more of me. Yeah. And your website? And my company's Trova. There are a few different Trova names out there. So TrovaSearch.com is my company website. We spend a lot of time and energy in that to help people get where they want to go. So uh, I'm all on the other social media platforms and pretty transparent. But um, yeah, I'd say connect with me there. It's probably the best. And you can mention the show or you need advice. I have an open door policy. Anyone that's ever looking for work or needing help or advice, it's pretty, it's completely open, reach out anytime. And then, uh, you know, what we do best is help companies grow by hiring the right talent and the best of the best talent. And quite frankly, I had a good person, a friend of mine that was on this show, and he's probably been a mentor of mine a couple of times that just said, Hey, look, I asked him why he used me. And he said, uh, you know, I get to get some, I don't know what you cost or how much you make or what you do, but you've been pretty darn successful. I've seen you around town pretty consistently for over a decade and I don't have to hire you. I don't have to pay you. And I get you on my team, helping me hire my team. Why wouldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. And only if you show me somebody that I truly think belongs on my team and is better than other people I've found on my own, then I pay you. And then you guarantee that. That sounds like the best deal going. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you're even still in business. <laughs> <laughs> I know that person and yes. he's awesome. Yes. yes, he is. So I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This has been delightful. So many good nuggets have been coming out of you. So I'm sure our listeners are going to be really going, hmm, I should go listen to this one again. I hope so. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video editing team, Max Stein, Luke Bellagia, and Chris Rodriguez. Music is by Sophie Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can recruit, assess, and improve employee learning and company culture through DEI skills hiring and learning. Mention you listen to the show when you join and become a member and you may win a chance to be a guest on the Intern Whisperer podcast. Subscribe today to our podcast and support the Intern Whisperer by sharing, leaving us comments and reviews. You can find the Intern Whisperer podcast on Employers for Change YouTube channel or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.